When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Good to have you tuning in tonight. NHL action has the Flames and the Bruins tied 2-2 with the third period about to start. Early in the third, Buffalo leads Tampa Bay 3-2. That would be an upset. Blue Jackets are up 2-1 on the Islanders. Early third after two, the Flyers with a 4-3 cushion on the Devils. Taylor Hall has his 22nd of the year. Early third, Pittsburgh 4, Ottawa 2, Hurricanes 5, Kings 2. Late second period, Detroit up 2-0 on Anaheim. Early second period, St. Louis has a 1-0 lead in Nashville. Bo Meester has his second of the season. 3-1 for the Wild over the Rangers. After the first period and early in the second period, Capitals and Jets tied 1-1. Shifley, his 16th for the Jets. Still to come, Vegas home to Chicago and San Jose will entertain Arizona. Raptors tonight looking good for another victory, leading the Miami Heat 112-98 with four minutes to go. Next Oilers game, courtesy Furnace Family, Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Is Thursday, Edmonton at Vegas. 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. The game will start at 8. Oilers did not practice today. You may have seen McDavid and Nurse went out to the world's longest hockey game. Practice tomorrow, 10 a.m., then they uh, fly to Vegas for that game on Thursday. Another three here on the road for the Edmonton Oilers, who have lost four straight. Two of them, the last two, they were able to score. They could not get any stops. That was pretty frustrating. Canada now with 10 medals at the uh, Winter Olympics in South Korea. Three gold, four silver, three bronze. One of the gold coming in mixed curling. may find this hard to believe, but there's uh, at least one Canadian that doesn't think that's a big deal. A writer for the National Post to discuss that. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show four-time Briar champ, three-time world champion curler, Dave Nettowin. Dave, how's it going? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, it must always be a good day for, uh, for someone from the curling community to see Canada grab a gold medal, eh? Well, yeah, for sure. I, I think that uh, this time of year, everybody just becomes uh, sports athlete, uh, sports fans, and uh, you know, I follow every every sport. But knowing some of the players that are in it, knowing John and knowing Caitlin, um, as you know, and they're such good people. Um, you know, as a as a Canadian, I see our medal count rising, but um, you know, I, I really found myself cheering for just kind of these stories. And as much as I'm cheering for Canada uh, in in everything, uh, just the stories of the athletes that that make it there and what so many have gone through. Are just incredible i'm curious i mean you you curl your wife curls uh have have you done mixed curling as a married couple is that advisable or have you done mixed curling at all 
Well, we, we have, and we're still married. So that's that's uh, <laughs> kind of two boxes checked there. Um, but we've only played a couple of events. Uh, Heather runs the Short Park Run Club and has an international mixed doubles event there uh, twice now. She has it in the fall. And so this year we had, I think, seven Olympic teams, uh, six or seven Olympic teams uh, at her event, actually. So there was uh, uh, China, Korea, um, Russia, there was uh, the U.S. team, I'm trying to think who else, or maybe it was seven internationals and four that were at the Olympics. And we actually got to play uh, Russia, Korea, and China. And uh, I will say for a couple of retired uh, a uh, couple like herself, we actually beat all three of them, so that was kind of kind of nice. Um, but it's a great game. We had a lot of fun, and it's probably, you know, one of those things that I actually could see myself uh, playing some more of, just because it is such a, an entertaining game to play. Right. Steve Simmons, a sports columnist for the National Post, wrote a column today, and it's it's his job to have an opinion. The headline, Mixed Doubles Curling is an Olympic Sham. Not all gold medals are created equal. I'm sure many people have, have, have seen this today. Uh, you know, he's calling it a, a made-up sport. He uh, praises some other Canadian medalists while saying that perhaps the uh, gold medal won by Laws and Morris and the gold medal won by the team figure skating team don't carry as much weight. He's, he, he's angered a lot of people. Um, give Give me, I'm sure you have a response to this when it comes to some of the uh, claims and opinions he has about mixed doubles curling. Yeah, I, I for sure. I mean, um, I, I think the job of the journalist, um, in some cases, I think journalists is used a little loosely uh, depending on their article, but I think the job of them is to try and put out opinions that aren't, aren't always popular because I guess people are reading it. And so, you know, he knew full well that when he was going to do that, he was going to rile up, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and people are going to read his article and he was going to get noticed. And, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's even factually true or not, which it actually wasn't, um, you know, that that really didn't seem to matter to him in this article. And he actually made reference um, to the fact that it's a made-up sport, as you mentioned, and that even in the World Championships, there's four players. But... I mean, that that's actually, I don't know if he did about 30 seconds of research on this, or well, actually if he had done 30 seconds, would have found out that the mixed doubles have been in existence at the world level since 2008. Um, so I actually uh, sent him a, a let me Google this for your website just to help him find it for future. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of funny, right? But um, it, it's been around for a while. I mean, Canada hasn't been um, at the forefront uh, of mixed doubles just because we haven't participated in it since then. But it's been around for quite a while. Um, you know, the other thing is he, he made comment, um, I think it had to do with that uh, John and Caitlin had only practiced together like once before uh, going to the actual Olympic trial. And that, of course, was because Rachel Holman, uh, you know, went to the Olympics with her women's team. So John picked up uh, Caitlin, and they played together a lot in the past. Um, which is it's kind of a uh, you know an argument of convenience, considering I'm sure that he was just like the rest of us in the last few Olympics, cheering super hard for our men's Canadian hockey team, who also I don't imagine had practiced together very often before going to the Olympics. So I'm not sure if he considered that a sham as well or not, but I'd be curious. Right. Well said. David Nedouin joining us at Inside Sports, three-time world curling champion, talking a little bit about the uh, mixed doubles gold medal that Canada won, uh, I guess, very early this morning here, Edmonton time. John Morrison, Caitlin Laws.
you know, I, I think I think for maybe a lot of people, David, this was their first exposure to mixed doubles, at least sort of, you know, at a, at a major event and being able to watch it or watch highlights for a series of days in a row. I've talked to a few people who... At, at the very least found it interesting if if and some people who came right out and said i like this better than traditional curling because there are fewer rocks the ends don't take as long the games don't take as long because they're playing eight ends instead of ten and it's sort of got that quirkiness to it starting with a couple of rocks in play uh, sometimes somebody sweeps sometimes somebody holds the broom i mean there's a lot of different things you have to do for just the two people it, it does I mean, I almost hate to ask you this because n- n- nobody, usually people who've been involved in a sport for a long time, don't want it to change too much. But did you think traditional curling needs to look at this and say, do we need to adapt? Do we need to appeal to this, you know, a, a generation of people with a shorter attention span who want things quicker, who want more action? How do, how do you look at, at mixed doubles and how it could affect traditional curling? Well, it, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I look at it from the perspective of, you know, what's growing the sport and what's getting people out there, and especially kids out to their curling club. And so, you know, this coming weekend, uh, my daughter is actually playing in the Alberta Winter Games in mixed doubles curling. My other one's playing in ringette, so I better make sure I say that as well. Um, and, and you know, what we're seeing at the curling clubs, at least at, at the Short Park Curling Club uh, that Heather runs, is that there's mixed double leagues that are filling up and it's getting people out there and you don't have to necessarily have uh three hours to go down to the club in an evening to to play a game you can get a game done in an hour and a half like kind of like going play nine holes of golf instead of playing a whole round so you get out there you're extremely active because you're sweeping almost every shot you're really involved in the game so do i think it's good for the game yeah i think it's great for the game i think it's getting people active and involved in the sport and I think we're seeing a boom right now in terms of the clubs being, uh, you know, uh, their, their memberships going up that we saw quite a drop there for a while, I think about uh, five, six years ago, and now it's starting to pick up. And I definitely think that uh, mixed doubles is part of that. So it's, you know, it's something that we adapt to. I mean, we, we all adapted to, um, you know, three-on-three hockey in overtime. And I think people really enjoy that because it's fun, it's fast-paced. Is it traditionally, the, you know, the hockey that, that Pierce would like to see? No, no, probably not. I mean, but it's it's fun, right? It gets people watching it and talking about it, um, which is great. The you know, from my own, I guess, kind of a, a personal experience of watching the Olympics, I think of rugby sevens, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, I I'm not, I don't understand everything about rugby, but when rugby sevens was on. Uh, in the Summer Olympics, I was glued to the TV. I thought it was a great game to watch. So it, it was something that attracted me, and then I watched more of that because of that event. And I think we're seeing that uh, uh, with the mixed doubles curling, too. So I think it's all good. I mean, I just think it's, it's maybe it's not for everyone, and, and that's, that's okay. It doesn't have to be, but it's getting people out there playing and talking about it, which is really what it's, what it's designed to do. Yeah, well, that's a good way to put it. Hey, David, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for your perspective. And, hey, tell you what, if if, uh, if Steve Simmons writes you back or, or texts you, can you let let me know and we'll, we'll, you can go over what he said? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear put some, uh, some actual fact in that article. <laughs> right on, Dave. Thanks for checking in tonight. Always good to have Dave Nedwin on the show, four-time Briar champ, three-time world champ. The mixed doubles curling victory for Laws and Morris for Canada at the Olympics. Uh, People texting in during that interview. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, this texture says there's no way that hundreds of thousands of people read that article because Steve Simmons only has about 17 followers of his work, LOL. Another texture says Steve Simmons is an idiot. He writes controversial articles to get a response. People should just quit listening to him. Another texture says, read the point Dave Nedwin makes about the lack of practice of the NHLers before Olympic competition is bang on. Yeah, I thought that was a really good point. Richard says, I didn't realize there were less rocks and the ends were shorter. That reminds me of how they shortened rugby in the Summer Olympics. Do you think they're shortening all the sports because the millennials don't have the attention span? Well, yeah, I sort of touched on that a little bit, but Dave, uh, sports do have to adapt. And I, I think people of all generations want a sport that is entertaining and doesn't necessarily eat up over three hours of their day. And I think the CFL and the NFL have struggled with the the length of game. Certainly baseball has struggled with the the, the length of game. You know, I, I for some reason the other day, I don't I don't know if if you're like me, sometimes you might get drawn into a hole on uh, Wikipedia where you look something up and then you look some, something else up. But I was looking up some World Series from the from the nineteen twenties, I want to say, and a couple games were played in an hour and thirty eight minutes. It was one. It was one of the years they had a best of nine, and it was an. So the series lasted eight games. I think five of the eight games took less than two hours, and the longest game took like two hours and forty minutes, and it was. 13-8 or something like that. So and that's so I think with the curling, it was entertaining because, yeah, the matches only take about an hour and a half. You start with a guard and a rock at the back of the forefoot. It's just five stones per end. The scores were still the same as a 10-end curling game with eight rocks per team per end. And and I do think sports have to adapt. Now I don't I don't know if I don't know if curling has to totally overhaul itself. I I personally I would prefer eight end games in curling. I, I really would, because I think in, sometimes in curling there can be so much feeling out. There can be blank ends. I think maybe an eight end game would get it going a little bit. You can tell me what you think at six thirty six thirty. The open line is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. And I look, I fully recognize. Uh, curling is a popular Canadian sport, but I know it's not for all of you. I know there's a couple people in the building here who openly mock curling, but I know there are a lot of people who love it and find it really interesting, and it is one of those sports Canadians are, are generally good at. I don't know. I, I think the, the format of the mixed doubles is maybe something they, they need to look at in the more traditional or the longer-standing curling, curling events. Maybe that's going to help it adapt. It is 719 Inside Sports on 630 Chad Morley Scott will check in. Uh, I think he's still at Commonwealth Stadium. There was a season seat holder event there involving the commissioner, and we have some comments from Randy Ambrosi when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. And, of course, J.C. Sheriff re-signed with the Eskimos last week. I got a text here from Darcy. He says, Reed, do you know what the power play is in the mixed curling? I hear them talk about it, but I don't know what it is. Darcy, that was a new one to me, too. I just went to the uh, curling.ca website. The power play. This option can be used by each team once in an eight-end game where they have the decision on the placement of the position stones. However, they cannot use it in an extra end. So if you watch the mixed doubles curling, the team with hammer starts with a rock in the back four. The team throwing first starts with the rock uh, a center guard. 
so the power play allows them once per game to put that rock wherever they want it so they can they can move it around so yeah it's kind of interesting that you could uh interesting that they start with rocks in play and then that once per game you can choose to place them so that's what the power play was mark in the deer says would shorter games equate to cheaper fees for the fans well mark maybe i'm being cynical but i doubt it I, 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 I don't think owners would do that, especially at the highest level of sports. But I understand what you're saying. But, I mean, I think that's – I mean, to me, baseball is the number one because the games can take so long. The commercials between innings, the, the multiple pitching changes, how slow it is now with batters stepping in and out of the box. It can be really frustrating to watch. What if baseball said, "Okay, fine, we'll keep we'll keep all that stuff, but it's going to be a seven inning game"? Would you lose your mind as a baseball fan? I know there are a lot of purists who probably would, but if you could get the games consistently around two and a half, two forty five, even because some baseball playoff games take three and a half, four hours for nine inning games, kind of maddening. Quickly here, Randy Ambrosi, CFL commissioner in town, asked about having an earlier. Grey Cup game late November or, or uh, late October or early November. Yeah, it's different in every it's different in every city. I think uh, you know the first stop was Montreal, and I think that was about 60-40 in favor. Um, you know, it's been uh, I think Toronto was a little more favorable than that. Uh, Calgary was 95%. In fact, I was a little worried that the fans that were against it there might be chased out of the room. <laughs> Last night in Winnipeg, one, there was only one fan that didn't want to change, and I went and st- stood beside him. To I thought he needed a friend. It's, you know, it's it's good, and I I think as I've been explaining, this is a great opportunity for us to really get a grassroots perspective on it before we you know before we engage in a more uh, more thorough process. But I'd say there seems to be a lot of you know positive energy around the idea of a season shift. I still think there is more work to be done, and then certainly. You know, we have to have a big conversation with TSN, our, our broadcast partner. But it's it's nice to get that feedback from the fans. When do you think it's possible that it would get, you know, bumped up? Well, I'm. The earliest, I'm, I guess. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm advising that in in this case and in, in a lot of things that we follow that Carpenter's axiom of measuring twice and cutting once. So, you know, obviously. Um, uh, I, I think we should take some time and follow a process. So, you know, probably not 19, but if this was going to happen, you know, may, maybe for the 20, 2020 season, perhaps is uh, would be a, I think a realistic target. But th- but there's still more work to be done. All right. So there's Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. By the way, uh, several people reporting on Twitter here, including Elliot Friedman and Bob McKenzie, Dion Phaneuf pulled from the Ottawa Pittsburgh game because he's going to be traded to the Los Angeles Kings. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that one tonight. And Taylor Hall did score for the Devils. As he scored, he got drilled by Radko Gudis of the Philadelphia Flyers and had to leave the game, so something else to keep an eye on. Morley Scott, when we get back, Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. So Taylor Hall has come back to that game after uh, leaving on the hit from Gudis. Now late in the third period, the Flyers lead the Devils 4-3. Blue Jackets up 4-1 on the Islanders with two minutes left. Also late in the third, Sabres lead the Lightning 4-3 and the Bruins are up 4-2 on the Flames. The Hurricanes have beaten the Los Angeles Kings 7-3. 
Falk with a hat trick, Skinner with two. Red Wings up 2-0 on the Ducks early in the third. Late second period, Blues 3, Predators nothing. Capitals 2, Jets 1, and Wild 3, Rangers 2. Blackhawks and Golden Knights start in half an hour. Coyotes and Sharks start in an hour. The Raptors hang on. Miami with a late push, but the Raptors hang on 115-112 for the victory there. And uh, talking about Olympic curling, the Canadian men on the ice. Their first game, they lead Italy 4-2 in the ninth. Uh, Kevin Cooey, the skip, and Mark Kennedy, a frequent guest on Inside Sports uh, from St. Albert. He's the third on that team. So Canada 4, Italy 2 in the ninth. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Northern Chicken has a love bucket. Four pieces of chicken, four chicken fingers, roasted potatoes, mac and cheese, chocolate chip cookies and sparkling apple juice for 50 bucks and they do accept reservations some guests on inside sports get that but not you morley scott because you're my co-worker i was just gonna say you can leave that on my desk for me if you want (laughs) that's that's the only reason you wanted to come on exactly so we're done here (laughs) how's it going buddy are you still at commonwealth or is it wrapped up I'm just in the parking lot. It's still going on when I left. Uh, They just brought Mike Riley up onto stage, and he was up on stage with uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Pretty cool night, actually, Reed, Uh, the way way they handled it. And and I love the fact that Randy Ambrosi has done this right across the country. This is the eighth of ten stops. Uh, He still has to go to Hamilton, and then he's going to Halifax to talk to the, uh, the, the football fans in Halifax, which, of course, is rumored to be the next spot for a Canadian Football League uh, team at some point. But Randy Ambrosi goes one step beyond and says, whether they have a team or not, we've got to tell them that they're part of our league. Uh, Halifax and the Maritimes are part of the Canadian Football League, whether they have a team or not. So he's going to talk to them. Uh, they, he, he gave a long uh, talk of his own, brought up a lot of points about what the league is working on and what the league wants to do. And then he opened up the floor to questions. And it was, it was kind of neat. I think Eskimo season seat holders who were there. And this was the biggest stop so far of all the tour, uh, almost 500 people. Uh, Len Rhodes said there was about 480 people in the gym at uh, Commonwealth Stadium tonight. Uh, they were eating sandwiches, drinking coffee, and listening to the commissioner in the Canadian Football League, asking some questions. And, I mean, it, it, Reed, it's not a place for, for a lot of answers, really. There's more a place for discussion. And, uh, you know, Randy was, uh, you know, he said, hey, thanks for bringing that up. That's something we haven't thought about. That's something we got to look into on, on a lot of things that were brought up. So I think it's a pretty good night, and I think it's a pretty cool idea that uh, the league has done and Randy Ambrosi has done to tour all the season, uh, all the cities and talk to season seat holders. Okay, was there was there something that the fans seem really really concerned about? I know when he spoke to the media, he was asked about the earlier Grey Cup, uh, having the Grey Cup earlier. He said 2020 at the earliest. What was uh, what was the vibe there? Yeah, that, that's funny. That's that's one of the things he brought up when he talked about it. There was a big round of applause from the crowd when he talked about moving the season up about three weeks to a month, and then later on he he did what he said he's done in every city, and that's just by a show of hands, who agrees with the idea to move the schedule up. And the majority, I would say 80 to 90% of the people in the room put their hands up. And then he asked for those who, who think 
it's fine where it is, put their hands up, and then the rest of the group put their hands up. And then some of those people talked a little bit. And I was, I was surprised they were the minority, but, man, they're the vocal minority. And there's, there's one lady who talked. She's just passionate about not moving the schedule and leaving it where it is. It started with her saying she has to work every, every uh, May long weekend. And that would mean she'd miss a game now, starting when it happens. Yeah. But she just—they just gave the talk about, hey, we're we're tough. We can sit in the stands. We can take it. Uh, sometimes it's colder in October than it is in November. I was really surprised and taken aback at how vocal the minority uh, of people who don't want the schedule move were at this uh, get together tonight. Morley Scott joining us on Inside Sports. He was uh, at the uh, gathering with Eskimo season ticket holders and Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, and of course CFL free agency open today so just the highlights here people have missed them morley the eskimos have added alex bazzi on the d line he was with the bc lions they retain johnny adams and forest hightower in the secondary and also adam konar in the linebacking core so alex bazzi is the new guy is this the replacement for odell willis is, is that the simple way to look at it that's probably the simplest way to look at it. And the fact of the matter is, Bazzi comes from the BC Lions. Odell Willis ends up with the BC Lions. So you can look at it as a straight trade, but the Eskimos also get uh, Ceresna, who's 10 years younger and a pretty good prospect at the defensive tackle position on the defensive line as well. So uh, it, it, it's, it's a pretty good upgrade for the Eskimos. Bazzi's, Bazzi was one of the prominent names out there on free agency day. Uh, he's the guy who's uh, got some pretty good numbers. He spent the first half of last year uh, in, in and around with, with about three NFL teams. And uh, before that, he played three years with the Lions, and he had uh, two years with double-digit sacks. One year he had nine sacks. I think his grand total is something like uh, 32 sacks in 56 games or something like that in the Canadian Football League. So he knows how to get to the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. And, and uh, talking to Mike Riley tonight, who was at the, at the function, says he and his agent share – uh, or, or he and Bazzi share agents. So as soon as he heard they signed him, he kind of reached out to his agent and, and had nothing but good things to say about Alex Bazzi, not only as a football player, but as a person and his character. So I talked to him earlier today, and he seemed pretty excited to be coming to Edmonton, and he, he said there was interest in him other elsewhere. He said in particular Winnipeg and Toronto were really interested, but he used the phrase Edmonton's a, chalib- uh, a championship-caliber team that he seems to fit and feel most comfortable with. So that's why he signed with the Eskimos. So all in all, GM Brock Sunderland, I think, pretty happy with his day. We talked to him earlier today, and, and, and he said, you know, pretty happy with what he's done. And, and, again, he does what a lot of GMs do. They don't think as free agency as today. They think of it as the days and weeks leading up to it, being able to retain your own players. And he's done a pretty good job doing that with so many players who had become free agents. His free agency was signing Darrell Walker, was signing J.C. Sherrod, was signing Sean White, was able to keep most of the core of the team together. All right, so the Eskimos that have moved on here, defensive back Gary Peters, but the Eskimos are still pretty, well, fairly well-stocked at DB. Euclid Cummings is a loss on the D-line, yep. and Joel Figueroa on the O-line might create the biggest hole here for the green and gold, Morley. Yeah, absolutely. I, I had a chance to talk with Brock Sunderland before the media gathering today, and I said, are, are you done? Do you still need to go after an offensive lineman? 
And he didn't say he wouldn't be, but he said he was pretty happy with with having uh, Kelly and Batiste as their two tackles going into the season. Uh, he said when Figueroa was injured last year and Batiste came in and played, they won their games. They played well and won their games. And uh, he really feels that they're set there. And I don't know if he's really actively pursuing another tackle. I don't think he's actively pursuing another tackle to come in and play at that other spot. I think he's going to go with Colin Kelly and DeAnthony Batiste at least to start the season unless something falls in his lap between now and then. Okay. Interesting stuff. Morley, thanks for checking in. I appreciate the update. And, uh, yeah, good stuff, buddy. I'll, I'll try to save you some chicken, all right? I appreciate that. Hey, just a note. Did you see what the BC Lions did today? They they signed Joel Figueroa, Euclid Cummings, Gary Peters, A.J. Jefferson, and Chris Greaves. Uh, Ed Hervey showing his loyalty to all those guys Guys, he has signed as uh, as GM of the Eskimos at one point or another. Yeah, that's so right. Mike, like we saw with Brock Sutherland, a lot of Ottawa guys with Ottawa ties coming to Edmonton. Now it's going the other way with a lot of guys going to BC who have Edmonton ties. Yeah, good point. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow, Morley. All right, Reed, see you. Morley Scott, Eskimos play-by-play voice here on 630 Chet. So a bit of an update from the season seat gathering with uh, Randy Ambrosi and an update on Eskimos free agency. So I think the old line, the the biggest question mark for the Eskimos coming out of this. So we'll see if there are any developments as we move along. Here's what we're uh, hearing from the National Hockey League. Dion Phaneuf and Nate Thompson traded by Ottawa to Los Angeles for Marion Gabrick and Devin Shore. That's what Elliot Friedman from Sportsnet has reported. Phaneuf and Nate Thompson to Los Angeles. Gabrick and Shore go to the uh, Ottawa Senators. So, uh, hey, the trade frenzy may be beginning in the uh, NHL. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. It is 743. Boston has added an empty net. They're up 5-2 on the Flames with a minute 7 left in the third period. Of course, the Flames know Mike Smith. He is day-to-day with that groin injury, so he's not going to be out long-term. But the Flyers' Brian Elliott out five to six weeks. He had to have surgery because of a core muscle injury. Mitch Callahan, who plays for the Oilers' farm team in Bakersfield, 20-game suspension for violating the AHL's Performance Enhancing Substances Program, and Seattle has formally submitted uh, an uh, application for an NHL expansion franchise, so the wheels keep turning there. 744, pretty special story involving an Eskimos fan and the CFL commissioner. You'll hear it when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Eskimos general manager Brock Sunderland on day one of free agency. We got 22 guys back, four more waiting on contracts back, but we have verbal agreements on. So we were 12 and 6 in the regular season and 13 and 7 overall. So, you know, I, sometimes I think that can be more bark than bite in free agency. You want to get enamored and go and try to win the Grey Cup in February. And our philosophy is we like who we have. We have a very good locker room. We have a good team. So the focus we had was keeping the those guys here. Uh, the big name you got, obviously, Alex Bazzi. Uh, a little bit about him and why he fits here. Great pass rusher. He's explosive. Uh, he has a high motor. He can drop. He can play linebacker. He can come from depth. Uh, one thing that really sold me and Jason on him was we watched four consecutive plays, and he had a different move in four in a row, and he won with each one. So, And then the other thing that was really selling for me was pulling up the Hall of Fame game when he was with the Cardinals against the Cowboys last year. He was walking back NFL offense lineman. He had seven solo tackles. Uh, he had multiple pressures. So we think we got a dynamic pass rusher who is 27, and we think his arrow is still up. 
Also, what's going on with Aaron Grimes, outstanding Eskimos defensive back, came back from the NFL last season? We're in conversations. We, you know, Aaron and I chat daily, and uh, he's still sitting out there waiting on potential NFL things. But should that not happen, then I, I feel very confident we'll get him here. All right, a little bit from Eskimos general manager Brock Sunderland. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports. It is 7.49. So Randy Ambrosi just wrapped up his talk with Eskimos season seat holders at Commonwealth Stadium. He talked with an Eskimos season seat holder personally earlier today. We're going to get that story from our old friend Andrew Hoskins. Andrew, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for having me on, man. Good to talk to you again. Had you on a few years ago. Uh, I did a, a year-in-review segment on the Eskimos with you and uh, my buddy Doug McLean, both you guys big Eskimos fans. You have a podcast. Uh, what's it called? The Eskimos Empire Podcast? Yeah, the Eskimo Empire Podcast. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I've been around for three years now, and it's been uh, really good. All right. Well, you're a passionate fan, uh, but I know you've had a bit of a tough time recently. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, I um, I was out uh, tobogganing with my boys and uh, went down the hill on the infamous final run and uh, unbeknownst to me, kind of caught a little spot where I took a bit of air when I landed, um, kind of landed on a spot of a snow-covered cement manhole cover. And uh, needless to say, the manhole cover won and uh, broke my L2 vertebra. So, oh, geez. Um, after they uh, found a, a very tricky way to get me out of the bottom of the hill <laughs> um i did end up needing uh, surgery and they had to put rods in my back to uh hold everything together and uh that was uh, mid-january so i'm still recovering and and uh, slowly getting to walk around and uh, with a little bit of help from a walker and things but uh slowly getting around so all right so i mean not not a pleasant injury but thankfully no no spinal damage then yeah, no, I was, that was the like the first thing at the bottom of the hill was like, I can move my legs, I can move my arms, so that's the first good step, but um, I basically had to lie flat for 48 hours until they could do surgery, and uh, that was probably one of the hardest 48 hours of my life. And uh, But once they were able to do it, then uh, then it was just, you know, slow recovery, and and uh, you got to take your time, because obviously you don't want to move the wrong way and then not be able to move, so... Uh, I've done that, and, and uh, luckily I've got a lot of family and friend support to get through it. Okay, so the, the Randy Ambrosi came to see you today. Can you tell us how yeah. this happened? <laughs> yeah, this, uh, this was pretty crazy. I, um, I tweeted out on Sunday, uh, half-jokingly, I guess, uh, I can't make it to the town hall with Randy Ambrosi, but uh, hey, I'm not far from the stadium. If you want to come by, I'll give you my two cents. Um, and I didn't hear anything back, and that was fine. I just thought it was funny. Um, but uh, my my partner, Mike, who has been on the show with me, uh, was going to come and pick up the recorder so that he could record the town hall tonight. Right. And uh, so my wife was really helpful. Okay, uh, you know, get, get up, get dressed, and we'll get you all in your pod shirt, and we'll wash your face and do all these things. So, oh, great, okay. And so I'm sitting in the living room, and uh, and Mike is here, and we're chatting, and I kind of look outside, and I'm like, who parked the wrong way in front of our house? <laughs> and uh, and she's like, she's like, oh, I have no idea. And then I looked back, and here I see Randy Ambrosi and, uh, and one of the girls from the CFL office coming with him, and I, I was completely blown away. Um, I was uh, amazed that not only that he took the time, but that 
obviously he had got wind of it somehow and uh, and decided to come to see me. Um, and it was amazing. I guess what happened is he had emailed his assistant and said, uh, you know, can we please make this happen? And she reached out to Mike, who then uh, got in touch with my wife. And uh, those two... Uh, pulled off an amazing surprise um, and uh, basically worked out all the details and and he showed up here to basically ask the questions that he was doing at the town hall tonight and and have a football chat with us and so so what did you what did you talk about give me the Cole's notes of the conversation okay so we talked about um, the the season moving up uh, and kind of what the vote was on that uh, one of the funniest things there was we took a vote there was just three of us but um, my wife's birthday right now lands right where the Grey Cup is, so she loves that the cities throw parties for her on her birthday. <laughs> so she didn't vote to move it up, but I did because it would then land on my birthday weekend, and so we had a great laugh with that. Um, we talked a bit about the CFL and what their kind of goals are as far as involving all of the teams together in more of a collective instead of doing it more each team individually. Uh, then we talked a little bit about his playing career and, of course, him winning in 93 with the Asks. And uh, uh, there was a, a bit more, but it was kind of a bit of a blur because I was just so amazed that he actually made the trip. So it was, it was pretty cool. Well, that's a pretty incredible story, Andrew. So good for you to get to meet the commissioner. I think he's going to win some uh, points with fans for doing that. And I think a lot of fans have uh, appreciated what he's been doing or, or trying to do, even if they uh, maybe don't agree with it. I'll just quickly ask this before we wrap. Do you do you find him maybe a little bit more of a grassroots and plugged-in commissioner than some of the guys we've had in the past, whether you agree with everything he does or not? Because I, I, that's how I kind of feel. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I think that the biggest thing about Randy Ambrosi is that he understands that the reason that the CFL is as big as it is and how it could get bigger is because of the fan connection. He totally understands that. And uh, although I know he probably can't do every last thing that he would probably like to do just because there's lots of limitations that have to be there, he he wants this to be the most fan-friendly league in the world. And it's things like this where he takes you know uh, his time and thinks, okay, here's a passionate fan that you know, reached out and we can find the time to give that fan some time. Um, I think all the things that he's doing, he's making all the right moves. And, and it'll be interesting to see when we get into the CBA conver- you know, conversation next year that it, it might be a bit more difficult. But I think overall, he really has the, the fans at heart and understands that that's what keeps the CFL going. And, and I think he's doing a great job. Andrew, awesome stuff. All the best in your recovery. How can people find your podcast? Uh, yeah, you can find it on Twitter at Ask Empire Pod and on Facebook. And we do have a uh, website now. It's just EskEmpire.ca. And uh, we put up some articles, but all the podcasts and everything are there. And hopefully we will be putting up the town hall on there as far as some audio. But we should be getting back to podcasting within the next month or so when I can, you know, get back down the stairs into my studio. <laughs> Andrew, take care, buddy. Thanks so much, Reed. Andrew Hoskins checking in. So recently uh, suffered a back injury. And the commissioner comes to his house to talk to him. That is pretty cool stuff. All right. We're out of time. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Flames lost 5-2 in Boston. Dion Phaneuf traded 
from Ottawa to the Los Angeles Kings. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.